When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Breaking news, WABC. Well, there's going to be a lot of breaking news during this hour. We're going to have Alan Gershowitz on with us, and uh, and from directly from the court, uh, we think that uh, Mr. Joe Tacopina, the attorney for President Trump, uh, fresh now, after a huge Rita, news I day. I hear rumors. I hear rumors, and uh, I don't know who they came from necessarily. Is that uh, President Trump did not lose the case uh, based on facts? Uh, he lost a defamation case. Because uh, he called her what, ugly, and why would I screw something like that? Yeah, that's, like Ru- that. that's Rudy like that. Giuliani's interpretation. Is that what yep. it was? Rudy says that because Trump came out and said she is not my type, uh, that that maybe it was over the top as opposed to saying the allegations are Dershowitz not is- true. And I understand we've got Alan Dershowitz. Oh, hold here. on, yeah. we've got Alan. Dur- yeah. in the, by the way, in the studio we have uh, we, we we have Judge uh, uh, Richard Weinberg, Weinberg yeah. and uh, Rudy. Uh, Washington, and uh, on the line with us, uh, Alan Dershowitz. Who's better to answer this? Alan, uh, Professor, we just heard the rumor that he didn't lose the case. If he would have said, uh, I didn't do anything to the girl, I never saw her, I don't know what she looks like, that the jury was possibly mad that is, she said, why would I screw something like that or something like that? Yeah, basically, she's not my type. That was Rudy uh, Giuliani's interpretation. Well, how does that explain the fact that they did find him liable on um, kind of molesting her, abusing her? Uh, I, I think it's a Rorschach verdict. Um, you know, people who support Trump will read it as a victory because the most important thing is the jury found he did not rape her. She testified under oath that he did rape her. And so the jury didn't believe that. And this isn't a criminal case where the jury might have had a reasonable doubt. The jury actually made a finding that he didn't rape her. And it seems to me that if that's the case, how do you have defamation? Because the defamation is basically he said he didn't rape her. She was lying. The jury essentially found maybe that she was lying because they did not find the highest count, the most important count. So the people who support him will see it as a victory. The people who oppose him will see it as a defeat. You know, the New York Times will run a headline saying he was convicted. The New York Post will probably have something a little bit different. And it will not affect his political standing among among Republicans. Um, he'll still get the nomination if he if he seeks it. And, uh, you know, this is just the beginning of a long process. This will be appealed. If his name wasn't Donald Trump, it would be reversed on appeal for lots of grounds. Number one statute of limitations. You can't just extend the statute of limitations after it's expired and allow a trial to go forward for 25 years ago, quarter of a century ago. Second, this remarkable ruling by the judge that 
even the defense attorney can't know the names of the jurors, so they can't investigate. Well, and also access Hollywood. What about all the women, all the access Hollywood, the other women who said it happened to them? You know, no, those are all very, very good appellate issues. If his name was not Donald Trump, he'd win the appeal. But, you know, in New York, with a name like Donald Trump, everybody has strong views about Donald Trump. I can testify to that from personal experience. Look how people treated me when I just defended him, as I have an obligation to do under the Constitution against an unconstitutional impeachment. They just, you know, tried to destroy my life, my children's life, my wife's life. So so how do you expect judges and jurors to be objective when it comes to Donald Trump in a city like New York? But that is sad because justice should be blind. That's really sad. Judge Weinberg? As you know, as you know, I wrote a book called Get Trump all about this whole tactic of trying to get him one way or another. This is just part of that tactic. The Bragg case is another part of that tactic. The case in Fulton County, the case in Florida, the case in D.C., they're just piling on in an effort to try to deny us, the voters, the right to vote for who should be the president. Alan, it's Richard Weinberg. You and I talked about this in the last couple of weeks. I think that Judge Kaplan's ruling allowing that access Hollywood tape is absolutely wrong. I think allowing... Mm -hmm. Other so-called complainants that they were raped too, to testify was absolutely wrong. You had a predetermined result there when you allow that kind of evidence in. It never should have gone in, Alan. I completely agree, and I think the judge's rulings would be subject to appellate reversal if this were a different case. But, you know, in Trump world, no lawyer, you're a good lawyer, I'm a good lawyer, you cannot predict the outcome of a case if the plaintiff or the defendant's name is Donald Trump. That's just the reality. You know, the Torah says, lo takir ponim to a judge. Do not recognize faces. Do not do justice based on who the person is. And that's exactly what's going on today. All these injustices are based on who Donald Trump is. No, I voted against Donald Trump. Uh, on the other hand, I have to insist that he be given the same justice that would occur to somebody who I voted for. You can't let justice depend on who the person is. Yeah, Rudy Washington, you've got something here for uh, Alan Dershowitz, who's here on Cats and Cosby. I just wanted to say, Professor, I don't even understand how this case went forward. Um, You know, 25 years in the past, don't even know what day it was, what year it was. Um, You know, no psychiatric reports, nothing, no police reports. I I just don't know the equivalent of uh, what a summary judgment would be like uh, to have this case totally dismissed. It should have been, been, especially, you know, you can understand extending the statute of limitations for a child, three-year-old or a four-year-old or a five-year-old. This is a mature adult woman who had access to the media, had access to the police. She was a very established person. She could easily have made the complaint, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. But she waits until he's a prominent political Figure, and then there was some evidence that was kept out, apparently, that would show some political motivations behind this. Yeah, um, her lawyer who was paying. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah was, big Democratic donor. Right, right, that was paying for this. Uh, this reminds me of uh, Justice uh, Kavanaugh. I mean, you just have people coming out the woodwork making allegations, and nobody's punished for it, uh, Professor. I mean. Look, uh, look what happened to me. My God, I was accused by somebody I never heard of, never met. Out of the blue, and finally, years later, she comes forward and says, oh, my.
my God, eight years ago, I was young. Maybe I mistook him for somebody else and confused him for somebody else. I mean, that's what's going on today. And unless, and it cost me $5 million to litigate and finally, you know, get the woman to admit the truth. Um, uh, but uh, imagine if you don't have the resources to fight that. So is, is the screw up, uh, Professor, is the screw up uh, with, with the judge or is the screw up with the attorneys? No, I think it's the judge who's largely at fault. The case should have been dismissed. The case um, should not have involved a um, uh, anonymous jurors. Uh, the case should have been dismissed on statute of limitations ground. The judge shouldn't have admitted the Access Hollywood tape. Um, so, you know, an appeal is an appeal from the judge's verdict, mostly not the jury's verdict. And the instructions in this case, as I understand it, were if you believe the plaintiff in this case that Donald Trump touched her and put his fingers in inappropriate places, that is rape. And the jury said, we don't believe that happened. Right, and but but so, he still get, did get fined liable on battery and and right. defamation. You know, I want to ask you also, Professor Dershowitz, um, Jonathan Turley. I was watching him earlier, and Jonathan Turley also thought um, maybe it was a mistake that Donald Trump didn't testify. I mean, he contended, yep. "I don't know her. What, what am I testifying yeah, but if he to?" He wasn't nice uh, to the jury. He would have gotten more, maybe worse. Right, and they, but yeah, they but did remember, play his deposition. To your point, John, they played the deposition. Here's what I think. He should have been in the courtroom. Um, I think it shows disrespect for the jury and a disrespect for the woman. Um, if you're not in the courtroom looking the jury in the eye, whether to testify, you know, that's something I would never second guess the lawyers on because I don't know what they have on him. I don't know what questions they could ask. Now, he was deposed. So if he if they were going to allege he committed perjury, there's perjury in the deposition or all the other people that came forward, that could be in the deposition. So on balance, I think Jonathan has a point. This might have been one of those rare cases where maybe he should have taken the witness stand. But one thing is clear, he should have been in the courtroom showing respect for the jury, looking the jury in the eye. This way, all the jury heard and saw is the woman and her two uh, corroborators. And it's hard to rule against somebody when you're sitting next to them, when you see them. And I think that was a mistake, not putting him in the courtroom. You know, and um, to John's point, they did play the deposition instead. Yeah. And in fact, um, in the closing arguments, I was I was watching um, some of the statements from the closing arguments. The uh, E. Jean Carroll attorney said, look, he doesn't care. He's not here in the courtroom. And look at the person you saw in the deposition. That's where they were going forward, you know, with and some of the comments. They, and that's where the jury gets upset and met. Yeah, no, I and think they didn't like right. the way he conducted himself in a deposition. Yeah, yeah. He even said to the attorney, by the way, uh, who's representing Eugene Carroll. It was a female. One of them was a female attorney saying, "Well, I mean, that's she's not thing. my type, and you, by the way, attorney, are not my type either." Well, <laughs> you know, look, look, why you would know, he do something gave, stupid like that? Somebody you know? once gave Trump a stuffed fish hanging up on a piece of wood. You know, one of these trophies, and it said on the bottom, "I'd still be swimming if I had just kept my mouth shut." <laughs> and uh, Trump has made so many mistakes, saying things he should never, ever have said. And it's hurt him. And it's hurt, you know, his it's probably hurt him in this case. Um, all he had to do was say that he didn't do it. He didn't meet her. He never saw her. Uh, he didn't have to say uh, she wasn't my type. You know, uh, that juries don't like that and they don't believe it. 
And now his yeah. argument was, I, I don't need to be there because I don't believe in this to the other side is, is the fact, you know, he, they don't know, remember the year. Um, you know, there weren't corroborating right. witnesses, no video. By the way, he also just came out with a statement, everybody on Truth Social saying, I have absolutely no idea who this woman is. This is from President yeah. Trump. This verdict is a disgrace, a continuation of the greatest witch hunt of all time. Yeah, and let's remember, too, that the Access Hollywood tape, which really is hurtful and prejudicial and damning, but what does he say on it? He says, women welcome when a celebrity touches them. That's exactly the opposite of what he was charged with. How is it relevant that he said women welcome it when he's charged with doing it in an unwelcome way? It's it's not relevant, and it's totally prejudicial. Totally prejudicial. Yeah. But the judge let it in, and the judge probably realizes that he's going to have a somewhat sympathetic court of appeals because this guy's name is Donald Trump. It really depends on, you know, who's on the panel. Who's on the panel. You know, I tell my clients, I'll tell you if you're going to win or lose once I learn the panel. But until I learn the panel, I'm not going to make a prediction. Yeah. You know what? You know, what's interesting. All these cases, you talked about all these cases. How can he juggle all these cases? I mean, the whole strategy, John, is basically to bog him down. Yeah, but that's get Trump. That's the whole get Trump uh, mentality. But look, while we're talking about Trump, I just have to say one more thing. A disgraceful thing is happening next week in Miami Beach. The Trump family is hosting a guy named McKay to speak at an event where one of the Trump children is speaking and the former attorney general of the United States under Trump is speaking. And the guy who they're hosting, McKay, is an outright Nazi who says Hitler did a good job, the Holocaust didn't occur. What are the Trump people doing with people like that? Oh, my God. Who is this guy, McKay? I I never heard of him. Yeah, who is he? He's, he's, He's part of this group of Christian nationalists. They go around the country, and he's gone around the country with uh, some of the Trump uh, uh, children. Look, just the way Democrats have to disassociate themselves from Elon uh, Omer and from OAC, the Republicans must and the Trump family must disassociate. Alan, who's who's the attorney general is going to be at this event? Whitaker, Whitaker, the acting attorney general. And why would he be so foolish to get himself involved in it? No, probably doesn't know. But I'm telling him now. I've seen the lineup. I've seen the list. There are two people like that. This guy is the worst. Yeah, um, this is uh, his name is Scott McKay. I'm just seeing this here, right? Scott McKay he has said that Jews killed Lincoln, that Jews killed Kennedy, that Jews caused 9-11. The guy is an out and out. I am, I am surprised. He should not be at any event that any Trump is near. And, you know, I call him as I see him on both sides. And I call him often in favor of Trump. But this time... I'm calling out the fact, and maybe you folks can have an influence. Why don't you? Why don't you? This thing you, know, why don't you send it to, to the Trump, Trump people, see if there will be action. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. We're going to send it to the Trump people and see what Please. reaction we get. Yeah, and Please. you know what? Also, after the Kanye West stuff, you would think he would. Uh, the people coming through would be better. I know there was a couple of crazies uh, in the GOP, the extreme right wing, yeah. couple of crazies uh, having events in New York. I don't even know the guy's name. Uh, yeah, that should, uh, the Trump family should not be associated. He's not going to be there. And, and the Trump, somebody from the Trump family did show up to that crazy event. Yeah, yeah and well, they shouldn't. They somebody's got to be, gotta be vetting them exactly and saying, "Don't put them near them." You know, because I don't believe the Trumps have an ounce of anti-Semitism. No, why don't we get? Why don't we get Junior to come in and talk? Tolerance. 
Yeah, get him. Put him on the show and ask him why. And Lara happened. wanted to come on, too. I yeah, see. exactly. I just saw Lara with, with Lara a few days ago. So, well, yeah. we're going to have to take a break. And uh, Alan Dershowitz, we, we need you to li- live another 20 years at least. Uh, at least. Because uh, we, you know, America needs your common sense. Thank you so much. Thank you so and, much. And yours, too. Thank and you. everybody, get Trump as his book, uh, which is awesome. And boy, is it timely. <laughs> Let's take let's take a break and uh, Rita tell tell everybody what, who's coming back after the break. Yeah, we got a big interview uh, with a former federal prosecutor. He says that he had allegations of money, basically money for play with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, all tied and, to Ukraine. And the U.S. attorney in uh, in New, New York, York, the Southern District, uh, did nothing well, with it. Yeah, didn't do anything about it. Let's go to a break and we'll be right back. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And joining us now on Katz and Cosby with these big developments and many of them leading to Hunter Biden is Bud Cummins is a former federal prosecutor. And Bud, this is a bombshell. You were quoted about forwarding this email. It's back in 2018. And according to reports, it says that there was evidence that Joe Biden had exercised influence to protect his son's Ukrainian employer in exchange for payments to his son and others. Walk us through this. Well, and I want to be fair, it contained allegations and unproven allegations. But what The gist of it was I was approached in Washington in 2018, sometime in September, uh, by some gentlemen with Ukrainian connections who represented to me that they were, uh, you know, the confidants of of, uh, Prosecutor General Litsenko, and that he was in possession as a fruit of some of the investigations in Ukraine of actual evidence of, of, you know, alleged wrongdoing. And, and the initial request was that I set up a meeting, a face-to-face between him and the Attorney General of the United States. And that would be a little difficult to accomplish anyway. And if you'll go back and look at your calendar, that was in the middle of the Mueller investigation. Uh, Attorney General Sessions was recused from the Russia probe. And this was so obviously political in nature, I just thought it would be very difficult to navigate those waters. So as I kind of considered what they, the allegations were, uh, I noticed that, you know, Devin Archer, who's a colleague of Hunter Biden's, uh, was in the story. And I further determined that Hunter or Devin Archer was facing charges in the Southern District of New York in an unrelated fraud case. So having been a federal prosecutor, I thought, well, if, if the Department of Justice is going to listen to this and look at certain evidence and try to, to validate it, one of the easiest ways to do that would be to go to a guy that's in a lot of trouble that wants to help himself who would have knowledge and see if he could confirm you know, what they were saying. So I thought the Southern District of New York might be a logical place to take the – or to ask for the meeting, and I was acquainted with the – U.S. Attorney Jeff Berman. Uh, so what well, happened then? I mean, traditionally, the, well, the Southern District in New York was the most hardest working, legitimate district in the country. Yeah, and they handled a lot of, you know, international money for money laundering and 
and cases. So it, 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 for a number of reasons, it would be a logical place. And frankly, I'm a little biased as a former U.S. attorney. I think U.S. attorney's offices uh, can run a better show and, and, you know, more efficient and discreetly than main justice. So, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, I thought that was a logical place to try. So and what so happened then? Where did it go? Some difficulty. I got Jeff Berman on the phone. And I'd made several attempts to get him to set up a call or a meeting with me. And then he just called me. He didn't, you know, reply and say, yeah, let's talk at two o'clock tomorrow. And I, I was in another meeting, unrelated and a room full of lawyers, didn't have any notes. You know, these Ukrainian names and entities were all kind of foreign to me. Pardon the pun. And uh, so I told him the basic story, but I didn't tell it very well because I couldn't really come up with the names, the re- relevant names and. And, and I could tell he was a little, you know, unimpressed with it. And so the next morning, I composed an email where I basically kind of cut and pasted my notes from my meetings with these people uh, with more specific information about what the, the, the specific allegations were. And, uh, and what and were the, real quick, um, um, but what were the allegations, just kind of in short? What were the allegations? Well, they basically fell into two general categories. One, was that uh, they had witnesses who could testify that, that U.S. officials had encouraged them to uh, tamper with certain evidence related to Paul Manafort's activities in Ukraine. And uh, the other allegations concerned Burisma and the payments to Hunter Biden. And allegedly they had witnesses that could say that they were told, you know, to send this amount of money to this account and this amount of money to that account. And that that money's for Joe. So. That was that was down. I didn't know if any of this was true. I didn't, you know, I don't know today if, if they had the evidence or whatever. That was, you know, to me, that was the, the job of the Department of Justice. I thought that they would certainly want to take now, a look is at this, it. And let me ask you a silly question. Is this before yeah. the famous uh, the or before or after the famous the, um, when Joe Biden was in the Ukraine? Uh, yelling about them and uh, some of the, uh, the uh, Ukrainian attorney general investigating his son, and he's going to hold back $2 billion uh, in money for the Ukraine if his son, if, the, if that attorney general in Ukraine wasn't fired immediately. And then SOB, yeah. he is was. Is it before or after? That, that, this, is, this is all after that, and the, that gentleman's name was Shokin. So then so, let me, let me so ask you, So in other words, uh, pre- uh, Vice President Biden at the time yelled and screamed and says, I'm going to hold back the United States money. And this is on YouTube. Everybody has the tape. Uh, I'm going to hold back U.S. money unless you get rid of the, uh, the, uh, the Attorney General Shokin, is it, of the Ukraine yeah. that's investigating his son. And then now he has this allegation. Bud has this allegation that comes soon after, right? And basically right. says there's some money tied to Burisma, same sort of situation. So then what happens with this, bud? Nothing. I mean, I, I, I talked to Jeff Berman about it once. Like I said, I didn't know. Now, tell the Jeff story. Berman uh, was the U.S. attorney in New York, Southern District, appointed Southern District by who? New York, Trump. And, okay. uh, and then I, I followed up with the email, and then I followed up, you know, over the next couple of weeks with a few more emails, kind of saying, well, you know, you haven't gotten back to me. If, if you're troubled about you meeting him personally, maybe you could just have some agents meet with him. You know, but he there. I never got any reply to this day. I don't have any idea uh, what happened to that information or, or, or why they didn't follow up on it 
why they weren't interested. It, they just weren't. They didn't. They didn't ever reply, which was surprising to me. I mean, I, I wasn't just a guy off the street. I was former United States attorney and and, uh, you know, was following, I thought, a pretty decent protocol. Uh, I didn't go to the media with it. I didn't go to political people with it. It was many months, you know, several months later that that someone took it to Rudy Giuliani and 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 they they were more public in their approach but I I wasn't and let me let me ask and, you uh, uh, Bud Cummins too um before we let you go real quick tomorrow James Comer is going to have a big press conference do we know if something sort of tied to this might be in it well I don't think it's tied to me but I think that they have another person and I don't know who that person is who also has knowledge that the FBI was in possession of these allegations and specific allegations and evidence uh, as are, you know, roughly in the same time period and didn't act on it. So I think, you know, it's it's another another uh, example of the FBI and the DOJ just stonewalling these allegations and burying this evidence. Wow. Well, Bud Cummins, this is interesting. We'll be seeing what, uh, of course, James Comer has tomorrow and see, find out, get to the bottom if they even looked into these things that you brought forward. Thank you so much for being with us. This could be big. Thank you, bud. It'll be interesting. Thank you. Talk to you later. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Wow. You know, John, you know what's amazing? We just heard from Bud Cummins. He is a former federal prosecutor, said it was from reputable sources that he knew, and then it went into, like, the Neverland on the Central Biden case. Neverland? I mean, the Southern District of New York is supposed to be the most legitimate district. Yeah, and what is this guy, Jeff Judge Berman? Weinberg, you work with the Southern District of New York. What say you? I, I think it's absolutely outrageous that this information was passed on and just got buried in the ether. Who was the U.S. attorney in the Southern District? At the Jeff time? Berman. Jeff Berman. Jeff Berman. Wow. Now, yeah. I don't know how, how they can actually... Live with themselves when they have an ethical obligation to go forward and do the right investigation. Well, Judge, uh, I'm curious about tomorrow morning. Yeah, uh, tomorrow Com- morning, James Comer. Yeah, James Comer says he's got breaking news. The because and that's going to put the Attorney General of the United States in a box. If there's real connecting of dots here, then Garland is going to have to appoint a special counsel because the Justice Department is in fact conflicted. And Comer claims he has a lot of dots with like bank records showing big money coming in. He's claiming it's going to be bombshells tomorrow, John. Nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Well, well, Sid's going to be on. And uh, wow, Sid, uh, you you know if, he's going to have an action-packed show. If you're listening, you're going to have an action-packed show. Let's take a break, and when we come back, Michael Lawler's Michael coming Lawler's up. Michael is going to talk about uh, congestion pricing. Yep, and migrants being shipped uh, potentially. News. You got who's calling in later? We also have Joe Tacopina, the attorney for Donald Trump, who is in the courtroom. He's going to be joining us in about fifteen minutes. You definitely don't stand, want to miss it. Stand by. You're not going to get Joe T- Tacopina anyplace else. Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. Wow, and some more big news on Katz and Cosby today. It's just coming out that Congressman George Santos has been charged by the Justice Department in their federal probe that he may be appearing as early as tomorrow before the Eastern District. The exact nature of the charges are not immediately out there, but we know the federal government's been looking into campaign finance and a whole bunch of other issues tied to George Santos. Big news, John. Wow. Wow. 
Uh, who's on the line with us now? Is it Congressman Lawler? We've got Congressman Mike Lawler of New York. Wow, Congressman, what an action-packed news day. Let's get your reaction Where to this start, news. Where do we start, Congressman? How about with uh, George Santos' news? What do you think? Well, I think at the end of the day, all of this has been an unfortunate mess. Uh, I think uh, Congressman Santos uh, has been less than honest uh, and obviously uh, now uh, seemingly going to be criminally charged. Uh, for his conduct. I've called on him to resign previously. I reiterate that call. Uh, I, I think he has been a, a disgrace and an embarrassment to New York uh, and to the Republican Party. Well, are you surprised uh, that it's uh, that it's come now? And do you believe it's probably campaign finance related? Uh, I, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, obviously, given uh, the allegations against him with respect to the source of funds and uh, you know, the questions surrounding uh, the loan to his campaign, uh, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Obviously, we haven't seen any indictments, so I can't speak to the specifics. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, unsurprising, but nonetheless disappointing to, to see uh, this go on. And uh, let's get your reaction also, Congressman Michael Lawler, on the Trump, the verdict in the Trump case, the E. Jean Carroll case. Everybody's talking about this, that he was found liable of battery and defamation. Yeah, look, I, I think the, the president, uh, the former president, needs to to answer to this. You know, this is anytime you have these allegations, it's serious and uh, it's not enough to just dismiss it and say, oh, this didn't happen. This is all a bunch of lies. I mean, a jury now has found him liable and, and he needs to answer to it and uh, he needs to, to give an explanation uh, of some sort. So, uh, you know, again, these uh, unfortunately, we are in a, a era where you see these um you know, personal conduct and, and behavior just distracting uh, from from the major issues impacting our country, uh, from the debt ceiling to the border uh, crisis, the migrant crisis going on. Uh, and it, it really is just unfortunate. Mike, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. I'm very concerned well. about the busing into Rockland County. Of the in, migrants. Of the migrants. And uh, that's what we really called you about. That, that was, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, an action packed right. news day. <laughs> that's, <laughs> right. that's why we wanted you on tonight. So, what, what's your view about uh, Mayor Adams sending the people up to Rockland County? Well, I think it's disgraceful. Uh, you know, Mayor Adams uh, and, and the New York City uh, Council uh, and former Mayor de Blasio, going back to 2016, chose to make New York City a sanctuary city. Uh, and obviously, we have had a border crisis. Uh, that has been exacerbated by the Biden administration and their failed policies. Uh, over 5 million migrants have crossed the border uh, since Joe Biden took office. Uh, and, you know, certainly uh, southern states and, and governors uh, whose states have been overrun uh, have shipped nearly 60,000 migrants uh, to New York City. And I understand the challenges Eric Adams is facing. It, it is uh, significant. But he is doing exactly what he decried uh, over the course of the last year by by shipping these folks uh, to municipalities of which he has no jurisdiction over. Um, and they do not have the resources nor capabilities to provide uh, for these migrants. We're a compassionate people. We're, we're a nation of immigrants. We welcome immigrants to our communities. They enrich our economy and our culture. But you can't just dump 
you know, hundreds, if not thousands of migrants on smaller communities that do not have the infrastructure, the social service infrastructure, the nonprofit infrastructure to handle it. On top of that, there was no coordination or communication with these municipalities. Uh, The town of Orangetown uh, has a local town law that prohibits transient stays at a hotel for more than 30 days. Mayor Adams uh, entered into a four-month contract with this you hotel. You can't do that. And, and I remember uh, uh, Rob Astorino was on uh, the Sunday show. I was listening to his Sunday show, and he says there's another law in New York State uh, that says uh, that the local uh, officials have the right to uh, to ask why, why, you know, certain questions about uh, uh, local people people coming in. Yeah, well, that and 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 this has been, you know, I just had a, a conference call with uh, the mayor's office, and we asked them, have these people been vetted? And they said, well, that's up to the federal government. We don't know. We don't have an answer on that. But you know, under you know, state law, you might have you might have the obligation, or somebody in the in, in the county, you should check that law very carefully and see what it says, or, or call Rob Estorino and find out. And, and you know what's coming on the heels of all this, guys? There was a tent city that they're showing in Mexico. This is the tip of the iceberg. Thousands of them. Guatemala has 80,000 people saying they're ready to cross on Title 42 lifting, which the is projection. Thursday. The projection is going right. to have a couple hundred thousand a month. I mean, this is this is the tip of the iceberg. Well, we wow. You, you, you've seen, you've seen uh, under Joe Biden's administration, nearly 15,000 people crossing the border a day. Obviously, this is a humanitarian crisis. You do have people who are uh, seriously uh, in danger and seeking asylum. Uh, you have human trafficking going on. Uh, across our southern border, you have drug trafficking going on. This is a serious humanitarian crisis, and the Biden administration has been completely asleep at the switch uh, and put, you know, Americans in danger. Yeah, real quick, Rudy Washington. Real, 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 real yep. quick, we well, I just wanted to say to the congressman, I'm more concerned about the country. I, I think this is all by design uh, because um, there's no way you could replace an American city every month. The average size city in America is 250,000. We're replacing a city every single month. We cannot do this. It's not yeah. sustainable. Period. Maybe we'll turn over San Francisco to them. That, that, that city is underwater already. <laughs> uh, it's a, it is amazing. Um, by the way, the other thing I also saw this morning, this is frightening. They are talking about a policy because all these facilities are overrun. Um, you know, all these different locations are overrun. They're talking about mass basically release in places like El Paso, as if they're not mass releasing already. Um, it really is scary what's ahead, guys. I mean, this is frightening. No question about it. And, you know, I think this really just requires, uh, you know, action. And unfortunately, uh, right now we're just being led by uh, feckless leaders uh, at the federal, state and local level. Well, thank you so much for coming on and keep us informed. And uh, we're going to have to take a break right now. Let's thank take you, a Congressman. Break. And when we come back, we got an action packed uh, show. Yeah, we got Joe Tacopina, Donald Trump's attorney, coming From up. the courthouse. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Tacopina. Good. Thank you. And we have some breaking news right now. We have... Breaking news, WABC. 
Joe Tacopina, of course, President Trump's attorney, right after this verdict came in. Calling from the courthouse? Calling from the courthouse. Uh, Joe Tacopina, uh, thank you for joining us here on Cats and Cosby with the big news. Uh, first, your reaction. Um, you know, I guess uh, perplexed, to put it mildly, this was a rape case, right? I mean, this was a case where this lady's claim, Donald Trump raped her, ridiculous claim. Um, and that's all she claimed. Rape, rape, rape. The jury said, we don't believe her story, um, yet found liability in some sexual battery count. I mean, which is, you know, inconsistent with her story, inconsistent with the, you know, with the rape claim, I think. Joe, so it's, Joe, uh, was, it, was the jury upset uh, at some of the comments uh, uh, President Trump made about, uh, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, touch that girl. She's uh, not my type. Not you mean? my type, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you know, Here's what I think the jury got overwhelmed with. There was a lot of stuff that was led in this case that had nothing to do with this case. The Access Hollywood tape being the, the worst and then the most important thing. And that tape was played, I don't know, feels like 100 times in that trial. It was played at least five times. And it's, you know, it's it's not the president's best moment. And, you know, he, was, uh, he said it was locker room talk. He apologized for it. But it's, you know, it's it's a crude tape. And it's something that this, this jury, you know, uh, obviously reacted to. We saw them react to it. Um, and, and, but still it has nothing to do with the claim of this lady, Eugene Carroll, and this judge never should have left that into the case. There's a rule in federal court called 403. It's a balancing test on, on, on the issue of, um, you know, prejudicial evidence. And, and this is the most prejudicial of them all. And yet somehow this was let into the, uh, well, we have into the, John, we have a, a judge uh, Weinberg in the studio. Judge, what would you have done in this case? I never would have let it in. In fact, Joe, Alan Dershowitz and I have been talking about this the last couple of weeks, and it's perfectly clear it's prejudicial. It has no probative value. No probative value. And it never should have gone in. I'm surprised Judge Kaplan let it in. And also, frankly, if I were the presiding judge, I never would have allowed in the two other women who claimed that they were raped as well. Those, well, those three items alone should be reversible error, Joe. I think so. Judge, one of them claimed actually that she was kissed by Donald Trump, and, and, and that came in. Another lady said 40 years ago, 40 years ago, on a commercial plane, Donald Trump was groping her. Uh, but she never told anyone for 40 years until she became president, and she hated him, of course. Um, you know, the Reed, Hoff, the Reed Hoffman funding issue, this is the biggest Democratic, uh, you know, party fund fundraiser and guy who donates the most has a stated claim that he hates Donald Trump and was, wants to derail him. He funded this lawsuit. That wasn't allowed before this jury, even though Donald Trump in his statements claimed political motivation. Um, you know, we moved for a mistrial on day two of this trial because we claimed the judge was biased. And look, here's the, the fact of the matter is this. He's been overturned once in this case already. In the first case, Carol versus Trump won the defamation case. He was overturned by the Second Circuit on his rulings. I think he's going to be overturned again a second time. Um, but still, you know, it's just... It really is disheartening when a jury says we don't believe the claim of the plaintiff, but we're going to give her something anyway. Um, it, and it shows you that he really, really is not free or fairly in this city, unfortunately. That's what I was going to ask you, Joe Tacopina. Of course, we're talking to him, uh, Trump's attorney. Do you believe it's because it is a New York jury that, you know, and with all this other stuff that was thrown in? Uh, you know, it's interesting, Joe. I mean, as a woman, when I hear her story and I hear it happened in a dressing room, she can't remember the day. Uh, Donald Trump has always been right, the right, a high profile person. Um, there seems to be a bit of holes in her story. I, if I was on the jury, I'd go, wait a minute, you know? Yeah, just a few, um, was caught, was caught giving 
inconsistent statements under oath multiple times in this trial. Um, so it's, you know, it's hard, really hard to, to, to square that with, with credibility and, and, you know, didn't tell anyone for 20 something years until, you know, Donald Trump, um, was running for president and became president and she wanted to sell a book and then put him into the book. But the inconsistencies in this case were, were staggering, staggering, literally. And, you know, yet they felt like they had a, you know, I don't know if it was the access Hollywood tape. I don't know if it was the other women. Those things should not have been part of this trial. Um, but I don't know. It's just the overall bias, you know, this city has for Donald Trump, President Trump. Um, but, you know, the fact that they didn't condemn him as a rapist you know, is a good thing. Um, but still, if he didn't rape her, he didn't do anything to her. He didn't rape her. Um, so I think that's clear. And it's just perplexing that the jury seems a need to give something, you know. And you will appeal, right? You obviously, uh, oh, yes, very quick. You are appealing. You're appealing. Of course. Yeah, I mean, the judge is 100% wrong on you. this one. They're, they're just playing with it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, we, look, uh, Joe. First appeal, but, yep. Joe, thank you. Thank you. On thank such you so a busy much, day. Thank you, Joe. I had a lot to sit well, show in the morning. Margarita. Thank you, guys. Thank you're you so much. And uh, on the phone with us now, I believe we have Senator Ron Johnson. Senator, I'm sorry we're running late, but uh, we had some interesting news uh, on uh, Trump's case today, this afternoon. Hello, guys. Uh, y- yes, you have. Uh, yeah. Tell us uh, what the heck is going on. What's going to be the revelations at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning that they're going to come on? Uh, With James Comer. Uh, on, yeah. Well, the whistleblower, I think, appropriately went to uh, Senator Grassley, who is the champion of whistleblowers. And then uh, Senator Grassley had to uh, you know, ask Chairman Comer to uh, work with him to subpoena these uh, FBI records. But again, what what they're telling us is that uh, uh, FBI talked to a confidential human source and uh, literally laid out, uh, uh, took notes that this President Biden back then was engaged in a scheme to basically sell U.S. foreign policy. You know, highly corrupt. Uh, it's just one more instance of family Biden or the, the Biden family just being corrupt, uh, willing to sell their family name, uh, peddle influence. And in this case, uh, the allegations appears that uh, he literally sold uh, U.S. foreign policy. You know, um, again, I don't, I don't know the details of it. I'll be listening along with you folks as uh, Chairman Comer lays out uh, the case. And hopefully this, the FBI supply, uh, supplies that uh, that form from the confidential human source. And uh, Senator Ron Johnson, this is Rita Cosby. Wonderful to have you here on Cats and Cosby. Yeah, I was watching you earlier today, um, and you had some really powerful comments. Uh, you basically said, and I just want to have you share with our audience because it, it was it was a very powerful statement about Hunter Biden, um, what using prostitutes uh, through sex trafficking. Kind of explain um, uh, what you believe, and also uh, Biden offering money to cover it up because Biden's come out and said, "I, you know, I trust my son. He's done nothing wrong." Um, obviously, you have some serious stuff, especially vis-a-vis the conduct of Hunter Biden. I do, and it, it just gets galling the way the, the mainstream media covers up for the Bidens, and they paper it all over. But uh, you know, when, when you hear Joe Biden say that he's proud of his son, uh, obviously he's not uh, looking at what's being revealed in the media. And I, I'm just again, it's it's grotesque. I hate to even talk about it. Again, I, I took no joy in investigating Hunter Biden, but it was important that uh, America not elects a president that is now so obviously compromised. But 
we had evidence, and we laid it out in our report in September, that uh, Hunter Biden uh, was paying tens of thousands of dollars uh, to pay for women who are sex trafficked in an international sex trafficking, sex trafficking ring. Uh, that should outrage people. Uh, it, it has to be illegal. But Joe Biden's proud of that. And by the way, what we also revealed is that as, Bi- as Hunter is paying tens of thousands of dollars over the course of about four or five months of the records we saw, Joe Biden is offering to pay $100,000 for Hunter Biden's expense. So thereby basically financing his use and abuse of tra- sex trafficked women. And that, again, we just, we just don't focus on exactly what Hunter Biden was doing here. You throw on top of that the fact that uh, you know, Hunter Biden fathers a child uh, and Joe Biden, that's his grandchild, won't even acknowledge his grandchild, much less uh, uh, assume some financial responsibility for this child. I mean, this is just moral depravity on the part of the president of the United States, from my standpoint. And the fact that there's not a collective societal outrage of his moral uh, depravity is is, is just it it gets me. Senator, Senator, we have to we have some other breaking news. We have to break in and I hope to talk to you maybe tomorrow or the next day. Thank you so much, Senator. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much, Senator. And now we have Miranda Devine, of course, from the New York Post, as we continue this conversation about Hunter Biden. Uh, Miranda, uh, what do you think we're going to see tomorrow with James Comer? Well, look, I'm interested, like everyone else, uh, to see really the money trail. We haven't seen a comprehensive map of where the money's come from, how it has gone through to the Biden family members and who exactly received the money and how much. I think that will be, uh, once that pattern is established, I think it will tell us uh, a big part of the story. Uh, Also coming out tomorrow, I think um, probably overshadowed slightly is Jim Jordan's uh, weaponization committee is uh, putting out an interim report about the 51 intelligence officials Uh, I've just um, put up a preview of that report on the New York Post website. And what we see here is that the CIA was in on it. The CIA appears to have conspired with the former acting director of the CIA, Mike Morell, and the Biden campaign to produce that letter, which uh, falsely claimed that the emails from the Hunter Biden laptop were Russian disinformation. They were trying to discredit our story five days earlier. And not only that, an employee of the CIA is said to have solicited signatures from at least one former intelligence official. And you will read that in this staff report from the House Judiciary Committee put out by Jim Jordan, which is expected to be out tomorrow. Wow, what a big day. Tomorrow is going to be blockbuster. Judge Weinberg? Miranda, I'm listening to this and I can't believe what I'm hearing. That this corrupt- is America. That's right. The corruption <laughs> of a possible president of the United States, a vice president of the United States. And where is the special counsel in this? Because you can't trust the Justice Department to deal with that, honestly. And now you're also talking about the taint on the CIA, which is supposed to be totally nonpartisan, not be involved in it, being misused and weaponized. I mean, which is the biggest story, Miranda? Well, I actually think that the cover-up 
uh, is a bigger story now than the original story of corruption because it includes uh, the CIA, the FBI and other um, agencies of the federal government that are supposed to be uh, non-partisan and seem to have interfered with the 2020 election on behalf of Joe Biden. And here you have that letter from the 51 intelligence officials, which was produced uh, on the impetus uh, of Antony Blinken, who was then an official uh, inside the Biden campaign uh, and then became Secretary of State, of course, under Joe Biden. He uh, prompted Mike Morell, the former acting director of the CIA, to concoct this letter, which falsely claimed that our story, the emails from the laptop, were Russian disinformation. They were no such thing. He managed to get 51 other former intelligence officials, including five former CIA directors or acting CIA directors. And then Biden used it in the debate. Then Biden used it. It was a talking point set up for the debate, which is outrageous. Mr. Devine, this is Rudy Washington. What I found very embarrassing for us on the global stage was when the president of El Salvador said, how can you lecture us about morality and democracy and everything else when you're indicting your president with no criminal charges? And, you know, what we're seeing now in this new case and what we're going to hear tomorrow, it really makes us look bad on the global stage. You're so right. It is really uh, the Biden administration and the revelation of this scandal and the cover-up scandal, I think, really set back America's reputation in the eyes of the world. Uh, It will take a long time to come back from this. And the only way to do so is if people come clean if uh, the House Oversight Committee and, yes. and we, the we House need we need yeah. we need Washington to come clean, Miranda, because we're losing all our allies. We lost Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, and India are buying from from Russia, Brazil, Venezuela. Not Venezuela was lost already, uh, and you know Argentina. We're losing. I mean, doesn't doesn't the Democratic Party realize we're losing our allies? Enough is enough. It's great. Well, Miranda, you fight the good fight. You keep the great scoops up. You're terrific. Thank you. Bye bye. And what do we all stand for? Wow! After that, John. Oh my God! Justice Justice in the American way. way. God bless America.